Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Today, I'm going to be talking, really referring to um, a life message. I, I wrote a book about it of dependence, okay? Today's, the title is really Total Dependence. Say total. <clears throat> total Dependence, all right? Because here's the truth. You need to, if you walk away with nothing else, walk away with this, okay? You ready? The goal of the believer should not be to grow out of our need for God, only more aware of it. No matter how much you mature, your goal should never be I will need God less. The opposite is true. You will be more aware of how much you need him. And the truth is, every living thing on the planet, everywhere, I'm going to prove it with scripture, needs God, whether they know it or not. You know, you needed God before you knew you needed God. Amen. Like the atheist needs God, the Buddhist needs God, you need God, the grasshopper needs God, the trees needs God. You know, I mean, everything needs God. You might not know it, but it's true. You might think you don't need God, and that's foolish. You're, you're silly. Like, okay, my favorite joke, I do it all the time. Sorry, fam, I'm going to do it again, is the scientist and, the, um, and God having a sandcastle contest, right? They're on, the, they're on the beach, and the scientist says, I can do everything you can do, God. I'm fully equipped. I have elevated mentally. We're at a, such an age of technology. I can create anything you can create. God says, okay, let's have a sandcastle contest. And the scientist says, you're on. Let's go. And he's like, all right, you ready? Three, two, one, go. And then they start. And God says, uh-uh, use your own dirt. Get your own sand. That's my sand. I, I, I made that. <laughs> Everybody needs God. There is a total dependence. That's the reality of the situation. But we need to grow more aware of that fact. You actually cannot grow more dependent upon God. You actually can't depend on God more than you already depend on God. All you can do is become aware of how much you need him. I wrote a whole book about it, so I'm going to try not to preach the book today. It's called Living in Dependenceville. You can check it out if you want and for more on this, but I'm only doing one today on this, okay? So if, if you want more, you can get the book, all right? And that's not to sell books. That's, there's a lot to this topic, and I'm, I'm going to try and stick to my notes in this one. In the 9 a.m., I haven't preached in five weeks, so that's probably part of it. But in the 9 a.m., I was about halfway through my time and 10% through my notes. I was like, uh-oh, we are in trouble. So I'm going to do better this time. But I want to just I want to point out to you that all things are held together by Christ. I'm going to prove it out of Colossians here. But like even the molecules of the men who were nailing him to that tree were being held together by the person that was being nailed there. Christ was containing those who were ripping him apart. In that moment, he holds all things together. Let's read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. This, you could spend 10 years on this passage. These verses, these five verses are just, I mean, Paul does such a great job of bringing the revelation of this. All right, It says, he, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That statement alone could bake your noodle for a few years. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And this is the underlined moment right here. And in him, all things hold together. All things. You understand, like this, this can like mess you up really bad if you start thinking about it too much. And maybe you should. Okay. Because like God holds hell together. It continues to exist because he chooses so. <laughs> he holds the devil together. He holds you together when you're acting like the devil, too. Did you know that? <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Come on. It's okay. <laughs> Is it too fast? Am I going too fast? It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> in him. Say, in him. All things hold together. Say it. All things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. My whole point in reading that to you is that Ain't nobody outside of a place called Dependenceville. Everybody's in there. Everybody lives there. I know your address. It's one, two, three, Yahweh. All right? It is. That's where you live. I know. <laughs> I love your faces. I miss them so much. In him, all things hold together. Now, I want to clarify, that doesn't mean everyone is saved or a believer. Okay, there's difference between um, every, everything being in him and us being in Christ. Those are actually theologically different things. Okay, are you okay? Like hell is real. People use this passage and they start to pervert some things and they just ignore. They white out entire passages of scripture. They ignore entire things Jesus talked about. They just kind of, oh, because of this, we don't need that. That's ridiculous. All right, let's take the whole council of scripture, but go with me on this concept that before you knew you needed him, you needed him. And he is holding together every single person, whether they give him credit for that or not. Fair? Fair? He's holding all things together. And Jesus himself modeled total dependence in his life. I'm going to read you um, out of John 5. Uh, this is where I wrote the book out of John 5, 19. But John 5, 16 through 20, we're going to read that in just a minute. But the context is, this is directly after Jesus heals a man who's been invalid for 38 years. Right? He's by the pool, and Jesus heals him on the Sabbath, and he tells him to take up his mat and walk on the Sabbath. And so that makes the uh, theology police of the day, the Pharisees, very angry because they're like, first of all, you can't be healing nobody on the Sabbath. That's work. Second of all, you over there, you can't be carrying your mat because that's considered work. All right. One time I was in Israel. This is so funny. One time I was in Israel in Galilee and it was the Sabbath. It was Friday. I went to the restroom and above the automatic urinal. Sorry if this is whatever. Like we're all adults, I think. Um, above the automatic urinal, no buttons, no nothing. It says, attention, use of these facilities as a desecration of the Sabbath. Have a nice day. I'm like, tripping the sensor is work. I'm making, I'm making work happen. Like, that's how, that's where we're at today, all right? But it began way back then. Carrying your mat home after you get healed was considered work, all right? Just that's the context. 
And so, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm no, I don't know what Jesus was thinking, but I can imagine him thinking, the dude's been here 38 years, 38 years. You want me to wait one more day? You want me to wait 12 more hours until it's not? Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. So anyway, let's read it. John 5, 16 through 20. It says, and this was why, all that I told you, okay? This was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, Sabbath breaker, You've heard these terms, breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. See, I knew it. The marvel is biblical. (laughs) I don't know. I'm having too much fun today. It's okay. I'm going to read that last part again. The father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And he'll show him even more works than these that you may marvel. Jesus said he only did what he saw his father doing he noticed what he didn't say he didn't say I only do what I see my master doing I only do what I see my boss doing my pal doing my buddy up in heaven doing there's a reason for this word all right many of us look at God as like a master or a boss or things like that and you're trying to obey a master when he wants you to understand you're to walk with a father And obedience comes from that walk. It's the fruit of knowing the Father. You understand? So even that right there could be a paradigm shifting thing for you. Like if we're going to have total dependence, we have to have total dependence upon a father, a family relationship, not a master-slave relationship, not a boss-employee relationship. Is this helpful to you? Like we have to center ourselves here and think of it this way. The church is a family. Okay, we literally are changing our our website name and all stuff. This is TRP family. It's going to be trpfamily.org and Tampa will have its own domain and all that stuff, all the campuses. But we're moving. I'm, we're literally putting in place even our our structure, putting words on paper to partner with what the Lord is showing us, that this is a family of God. And how many know like family's difficult, like you family's tough. No, no, just me. Okay, just my family's tough. No, I think family's tough. I think the people you grew up in the same household with, that was tough. It is tough. The people you're in a house with now, that's tough. Now, all of us are trying to be a spiritual family. That's even tougher. Hello? Yeah? So there's an intentionality behind him saying, I only do what my father is doing. He could have said, I get my marching orders from the general on high. He could have said anything, but he didn't. He said, I do what my father is doing. Like father, like son. Yeah? And we need to think this way. We need to move this way. We need to make this the same model and see God as a loving father for ourselves. We should not see God as any of those other things. Or this one, this is even worse in my opinion. This is my opinion. It's worse that some think God is like a Holy Ghost slot machine. You know what I mean? Like, I have a pain. I'm going to Jesus. Pull the lever. (laughs) You know? And... 
mm, healing comes out or whatever. Like, he's not our bellhop. Holy Ghost is God, by the way. God is spirit. Like, we're, the Holy Spirit is not like some other weird mist. That's God we're talking about, okay? And so we shouldn't see him as a Holy Ghost slot machine giving us whatever we ask for when we ask it, all right? My children want Paw Patrol all hours of the day. <laughs> Doesn't mean we give it to them. Hello? I'm getting in trouble for saying Paw Patrol. That show's got this or that. Or, just don't email me. It's fine. I won't read it. All right, so I forgot we were live streaming. I forgot to edit it. You'd be shocked. Anyway, so <laughs> I know how to do this. <laughs> we need to understand that familial relationship dictates the terms. That's dad. We're kids. Father, children. We are the children who obey our father. Yeah? And so, like, you don't give a 10-year-old keys to the Ferrari. No matter how many times they ask and pull on the slot machine. Please, please, no matter what they, how they pout or whatever. You just don't. There's some things you just say no to. Okay? So you might be confused. Maybe you prayed once and something didn't happen or it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Let me, let's back up for a second. Were you treating him as a father or a slot machine? Were you treating him as a master or a boss that you thought you understood completely? It was easy. It was neat. I get it. Or are you talking, we're talking about a person, the person of the father. God, the father is a person with a personality. Are you with me? It's a relationship, a family relationship. So we must see God as a good father who wants to bless us and partner with us to bring heaven to earth. We've been singing it all morning, okay? Listen to James 1.17 in the Passion Translation. It says, every gift God freely gives, sorry, every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect. Say good and perfect. Streaming down from the Father of lights who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. That's who your father is. That's the relationship we have. It's a good father. We have a good, good father. Amen? And Jesus was doing what that loving father was doing. Not only that, I'm going to just, I'm going to take each word. What the father was doing, present tense, present tense. This is why Jesus, his miracles were all different, right? Sometimes he said, go wash. Sometimes he said, stand up. Sometimes he said, Pick up your mat. One time he spit in the mud and made mud cakes for the guy's, do, the guy's eyes. You know, thank God we don't have to follow those miracle programs, right? That would be the worst. I would not have this job if that was required. Come here. I will spit in some mud and rub it on your eyes. That's what I'll do all day. No, I'm good. I'll let someone else do that. Are you with me? Like, but we, we kind of do that in other ways, not so succinctly. But we think God did it that way. Then he'll do it that way again. We're talking about a person with a personality who is sovereign over all and holding all things together, okay? Listen, God may do something that he did before. He might, but he might not. In fact, Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I do a new thing, a new thing. God doesn't do the next thing. He does the new thing. So if you're defaulting back to some prayer model or some rhythm you've got, it's okay to have habits. It's not okay to habit yourself out of need for God. 
It's okay to have disciplines. It's not okay to discipline yourself away from dependence. That's a good word, Caleb. That is just really good. It's the first time I said it that way. It's just good. We can't discipline ourselves out of dependence. Some of you are trying. Let me help you. Let me just throw a mirror in front of you. You think, or I'll tell you, I'll prove it to you. I didn't pray uh, yesterday. I feel less connected to God. Your paradigm is the more I pray, the more connected I am. But it's not true. <laughs> he is literally holding your molecules together. How much closer do you want to get? <laughs> I mean, what else do you want? <laughs> oh, I just feel distant from God. Okay, that's called deception. You're deceived. It's okay. I've been deceived twice. <laughs> Are you with me? Like, come on now. That passage in Colossians just pulls that away. And it says God calls himself by a very specific name. He calls himself the I am. Not the I was or the I will be. He's the I am. So there's a present tense reality. He's always present. My question is, are you? Yeah. Are we? What needs to change for us in our perspective so that we can partner with heaven and walk with the Father? This is what he wants. He wants to do it with you. My buddy Bill Vanderbush, he talks, he talks one time he was speaking about people going through grief and during this COVID and everything like that. And we're all experiencing grief. I experienced grief this week. I'm, we're experiencing grief. And it's just important to know that God doesn't feel for you. He feels with you. My, my buddy Bill Vanderbush taught me that. He feels with us, not for us. He's not up there going, I feel bad for you. Oh, I really, my heart's breaking for you. No, he is feeling with you. Why did he weep with Mary? Knowing he would raise Lazarus. Because he feels with us. Come on. That's what he's doing. He's present tense doing. We can't default. It's so important. Some of us. I, Bill Johnson shares this, uh, this example often, and it's so good. It's worth repeating. Some of us totally sacrifice what God wants to do on the altar of what we think he said or what he said in the past. Abraham goes up the mountain with Isaac. God says, I offer Isaac up, right, as a sacrifice, if you know the story in Genesis. And he takes him up out of obedience. That's radical obedience of a father. I mean, whew, aggressive obedience, <laughs> That's wild, right? And so he goes up there, and then he lifts the knife to do the thing. And it says in uh, Romans, he was trusting that God could even raise Isaac from the dead, that he would call into existence things that are not. That was where Abraham was thinking. He's like, God's going to raise him from the dead. Like, that's his. Are you following? But what happens? He raises the knife, and then he hears a voice say, stop. And then he, you know, he, he stops. Why? Because he kept listening. It's, I think I'm going to butcher the Bill Johnson quote, but the concept is we sacrifice our promise based on something God said instead of continuing to hear what he's saying. And imagine had he done what a lot of us do. Well, God told me I have a word from God. I know what God said. Past tense. Boom. <sighs> Hello. We need to be totally dependent at all times. Listening ear at all times. Okay? And what happens? There's a ram in the thicket, right? And God provides. And let's just go ahead and prophesy that today there will be a ram caught in the thicket of the Buccaneers' defense. 
<laughs> I've been waiting six days to do that joke. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so bad. But really, three o'clock, pray. <laughs> Come on, it's a winner, go home, playoff time. And the Rams look nasty. But there will be a Ram sacrifice <laughs> in place of the one who was brought to the altar. <laughs> So bad. I'm not going to apologize for it, though. <laughs> Abraham kept listening. He was doing what the father was doing. Jesus modeled this, and he said, whatever the father does, the son does. So Jesus never defaulted. He never defaulted. You understand? He was always consulting the father in communion with God. Now, I believe sometimes that looked like you just know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's not always a format or, like, a stop and pray thing. Sometimes you just know what the Father is doing. That's great. But the point is, we have to have this starting place of total dependence. What is the Father doing? Here's a, here's a question for you to think about, right? This is just, this is just my uh, speculation. We don't know much about the first 30 years of Jesus' life, right? As a boy, he grew up and, um, you know, in Galilee, out Nazareth, all that. But I just wonder, what if he took 30 years discerning the voice of his father? He only ministered for three and a half years. What if for 30 years he knew, I, I need to make sure I know when my father's speaking, I know his voice, I know his intentions. What if that was the 30-year plan for the three years of ministry? What if that's why Acts 10.38, he went about doing good, healing all who came to him? And you're like, well, he, he's God. He's also fully man. Fully God, fully man. He did all his miracles as a man, as a human. Yeah? I'm not saying Christ is, I'm not saying Jesus is not God. I'm saying he's also fully man. Philippians, 5, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Okay? I always get nervous with things like that. It's on live stream. What if? What if he was spending all that time discerning the voice of God? What if he was growing in the knowledge of that. It says he grew in, strat in stature and favor with God and man. He grew. When was that happening? In those 30 years. I just, what if? And then he was able to, because he knew that relationship was so tight and he knew it, he never acted unless he knew what the father was doing. You realize he walked by a lot of sick people, like a lot of them. People were clamoring for him all the time. Stories are hilarious, like the woman with the issue of blood. She touches him, and the disciples are like, really? You're asking who touched you? Like, everybody's touching you, dude. You know, people are jumping. Listen, this is way more neat and clean and orderly than a Jesus meeting, all right? <laughs> you might be like, oh, my gosh, these people are wild. No, we got nothing on Jesus meeting style stuff. Like, there's one point. He has to get in a boat because the people are going to crush him, and there's too many demons coming out of people. He has to get into a boat and, like, heal from the water and preach from there. They're clamoring over him, okay? They're like ripping at him. That's church when Jesus walks in. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I want that. I kind of like my thing. Behold, I do a new thing. <laughs> he took 30 years growing in relationship, this is my opinion, not in order to grow out of his need, which is how we kind of process things, but more aware. This principle carries into healing, 
miracles, financial decisions, family arguments, relational strife, work issues, you name it. You need to know what the Father is doing in every moment. Total dependence. Before you do anything, you need to ask what the Father is doing. If you ask what the Father is doing and you get nothing, a goose egg, guess what you should do? Nothing. <laughs> it's actually pretty simple, but it's profound in its practice. Romans 8, 14 in the Passion Translation says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That means the Spirit of God has impulses. Oh, I'm going to do this. I, you ever had an impulse? I need to. Yeah. So maturity looks like moving with those impulses, doing what he's doing, waiting for the impulse of the Holy Spirit, asking what it is. And so I want to, today I, I came with a practical model for you. I'm hesitant to do these things, make it a model, because I don't want you to put the system above the Spirit of God. Are you with me? And we say that, I say that to my team as much as I can, we refuse to put any system above the spirit because that makes that system, no matter how good, pure evil because it puts it in the place of God. So our system here where we have worship for a little while and then announcements and preaching, that's before the spirit and the spirit's pleased with it so far. So we keep doing it. Okay. But there is still Gigi knows it. Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Scott, Tracy, all of it. We all know it. If at any time we're like, oh, I feel an impulse of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We're going with that. And you might not get an awesome sermon like this. <laughs> oh, no. You will get God, though. Are you following me? That's maturity. That's where the church has got to go. Otherwise, it becomes this platform program. And all of a sudden, 30 years from now, the resting place used to have God encounters. And now it doesn't. Just come in get good teaching, go out, you know. That's what it'll look like. <laughs> I'm not okay with that. So I'm concerned to give you a model, but I feel I need to give you a model to help you start, okay? And this is Jesus's model, so I feel like that's a safe one to use. You know what I mean? Anyone who would come after him must walk in the way he walked, First John says, so let's do it the way Jesus did it. Pretty simple, right? All right, so this is the total dependence prayer model, all right? You're gonna wanna write this down. It's really complicated. Just kidding. <laughs> it's not. Step one, ask. Any situation, any concern, anything in your life, any need, ask. You should say something like, Father, I know you care about blank. I know you care about me, about them, about their healing. I know you care about this situation. What are you doing about it? Consult the Father. And like I said, sometimes you're just going to know, you're going to have an impulse, and you're going to go. Okay, that's maturity. But it doesn't leave that place of dependence. Is this making sense? You can always ask, Father, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about this? Please show me what you're doing in this situation right now. Step two is actually listen, y'all. Listen. Listen, Linda. Listen. Okay? Well, here's what I mean by that. Don't try and solve the problem with your brain after you ask God to tell you the solution. We do that all the time. Oh, dear Lord, please help me with this. And here's how you can help me. A, B, C, D, E. There you go. That's the plan. Execute. Slot machine. Yeah. And then we're like, God didn't answer my prayer. It's like that wasn't prayer. That was demanding the creator of all who holds your molecules together to use your idea. He might give you an idea to use. 
You can give it back to him. But are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on. Listen, stop trying to solve the problem with your brain and open your spirit to hear him. Open your spirit to hear. All right? And just little practical tips. It's usually the very first thing you hear. When you're like, Father, what are you doing about this? Bang. You know what? The only thing God is slow to do, the only thing he's slow to do is to become angry. He's slow to anger. He's quick with everything else. He's the I am. He's presently waiting for you to ask that question. And he will answer. You might not hear it. You might be distracted. You might need skills. This is why, this is seriously why we do stuff like the Jesus Lab. This is why we're doing things like Activate Tampa. The first one was yesterday. It was amazing. Did you go, anybody here go? I know a few of you. Come on, it was so good. Activating your ability to hear the voice of God in new and better ways. It's why we do it. We're launching TRP TV soon, which is going to be online courses where you can learn about the nature of God, your identity in Christ, all that stuff. We have these courses we're building. This is the continual equipping, all right? Because this is great. We're here to encounter Jesus together. And out of that encounter, we've been inspired to equip. And so participate. Listen to the podcast. Go to the Jesus Lab, the, at least the audit, you know, because we're not growing out of our need for God. We're growing more aware of it. Step three is risk. Ask, listen, and risk. If you don't do this, you shouldn't have even asked. If you're not going to risk it, like risk believing you actually heard God and you're going to do something now, what's the point in asking? Risk. Dare to believe what you heard and dare to partner with it as a word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. Matthew 4, 4, man does not live on bread alone, but every uh, word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that word for word is rhema and helps word studies, calls it the living voice. Man lives on the living voice of God, the active, living, present tense voice. Like memorizing the scriptures is cool, but you need God to speak one of them to you in each moment. Are you with me? He'll confirm his word, all that stuff, but it's not sufficient on its own. Text on a page is not sufficient. There's an author who's speaking those words, highlighting them to you and saying new things to you that might not make sense. My buddy Daniel's in the room. I'm going to quote him. All right. He says, God is not a God of confusion, but he is a God of nonsense. It's not always going to make sense to your brain. You're telling me that God can fit in between that, that little lump in between your ears. You know what I mean? Like all of God fits in there. I don't think so. <laughs> Come on. Your brain's not little. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just saying. <laughs> so if you're praying for the sick, that looks like risking whatever God says and not adding to it or interpreting it. That's the big one. A lot of times we hear something from God and we give our own interpretation to it and it actually has the wrong impact because God didn't interpret it for us. He just delivered it to us. It's important to deliver the message without the need for an interpretation. Lean not on your own understanding. But acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. He'll make your path straight. I've had words that I've delivered to people that seemingly didn't work until months and years later. It made sense. It wasn't what they needed, but it was. <laughs> it wasn't what they thought they needed in that moment, but it was what they needed. You've got to trust that God has all the facts. He holds all things together, all right? And if he spoke to you, dare to believe that you heard it. And if you're not hearing, understanding that the voice of God is part of your life. Get equipped. Come on. Let's do this together. It takes practice. The only way to get good at that is to try and try and try and try again. Okay. 
Unless you're risking often, you're not walking in faith. <clears throat> ah, I don't want to tell the story, but I will. Oh, because it's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of heartache. I had a friend who is uh, medically brain dead. I got a text on Thursday morning. They did not wake up out of a, a coma that they were, there, they were induced to. It was COVID complications, heart attack, all this stuff. And the family asked us to pray. And I went to the hospital. I heard the Lord say life. I said, Father, I do this. You know, I said, Father, what are you doing about this situation? And I heard one word, life. I'm like, okay, anything else? I'd really like a whole sermon, please. <laughs> no, life, end of discussion, life. And I'm like, okay, you know what I didn't pray? Anything other than that word. What does that look like? It's not like I just say life, 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 life. I said, Lord, I agree with your word for life in Jesus' name. We say life right now. She's still asleep. A miracle happened. I actually got into, I don't know if I should share this, but whatever. We'll delete it later if I need to online. But I actually got into a COVID floor, masked up and all that stuff, in a, with a negative pressurized room where no one was allowed. They told us no three times. An hour and a half, I'm standing there with the door open, speaking life into her, be, her room, praying over her, over the whole hallway. Like, no one's allowed in there. Family wasn't allowed. I got in. And... The comfort that brought the family, the, the, the fuel in the tank. I don't even know how to tell you. Are you with me? It takes practice. That was a risk. I stood in front of that family on Thursday on top of a, 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 a garage at a hospital. I said, I heard the Lord say life. Tell me that's not risky. The only way to get good at this is to risk and risk and risk, try and try again, and see God move. Life. I'm not interpreting that word. I'm delivering that word. That's your job. This is how Jesus did it. Are you with me? Hebrews 5.14, and I'll wrap this up. Hebrews 5.14 says, Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Trained by constant practice. Hello? So you're like, well, I prayed for the sick. I prayed for someone and they didn't get healed. I'm like, okay, how many times have you prayed? I told you I prayed that one time. And so now I know God doesn't heal the sick. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Trained by constant practice. Discerning good from evil. It's required. So here's what we're going to do. Because total dependence is what's needed in this hour. I'm telling you. Total dependence is what you need. It's what I need. We have to move there. So knowing that we will not grow out of our need for God, only more aware of it, I want you to be activated. This is going to be quick, but just close your eyes, everybody, really quickly. Nothing weird is going to happen. I'm just going to, you're going to pray. We're going to walk through this prayer model so you know how to do it. Okay, so just get along with the Lord real quick. Close your eyes. If you're watching online, don't feel weird. Close your eyes and just think of that situation. What is it that you need an answer from the Lord on? What is it that's on your heart? What is the burden on your life right now? There might be many. Just pick one and ask the Lord specifically. Step one, ask, Father, what are you doing about blank right now? I know you care about this. What are you doing? Go ahead and ask him. This is step two. Listen. Stop and listen. Let him speak. 
And step three is coming later, probably, or right now for some of you, you know? You got a risk that you just heard God. If you didn't hear God, you should slow down some more, get quiet before the Lord until you do. Are you with me? This is the model of total dependence. This is what you need. This is what we need to walk in step with the Spirit to bring heaven to earth. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.